Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad to be able to kind of pick up a little bit where we left off last week. And we shared a prophetic history last week and uh, talked about all the different things the Lord had done to get us to this place of wanting to launch this, this local church. And the story is extensive. So if you didn't hear it, I'd encourage you to just go to our website, download, download the message, listen to the details. It's something that we feel like the Lord has directed us to. And, and so uh, one of the things that, you know, I was just praying over us today as a church family, church community, and I was just thinking, man, in the days ahead, we have so many good things that we get to say, hey, this is who we are. We're a, we're a church that is into this, and this is what we're after, and, and we're going to be cultivating uh, you know, culture and things like that and identifying you know, values and, and things of that nature, and really it's hand in glove with where we've been at the house of prayer, and there's really no difference there, but... Um, you know, it's something more when you actually just really formalize the team and you say, this is who we are locking arms together going forward. And so, you know, right off the get-go, I have the opportunity to talk about one of the most dear things to my heart. Because this is who we are as a church. This is who we are as a people. We're a people believing God for revival. Hallelujah. And so I get to come right out of the gate and talk about that. And that's what I want to do today and, and next week. I want to take a few weeks and just kind of uh, re-up us on the vision for revival and what we're talking about when we say revival. Now this is something that's been burning in my heart for quite some time. I remember being a young man and just new in ministry and hearing stories about historic revivals and, and the way that God had, had come down and visited uh, different cities and regions and, and how, you know, in certain places, 100% of the population uh, came to know Jesus within a very short period of time. And, uh, you know, a couple of my favorite ones, the Hebrides Revival in, in Scotland in the 40s, 1948-49, where uh, literally this, this archipelago of islands there, uh, in the Scottish Hebrides Islands, literally 100% of the inhabitants, 100% of the people that lived on those islands, you know, 100,000 plus people got born again within a period of about you know, six to nine months. I mean, just God visiting in power. And then the other one that really, I mean, I love them all. I love all those stories. But uh, the other one's the Welsh Revival in 1904, 1905. Young man by the name of Evan Roberts. When I first read about Evan Roberts, I was 26 years old, and he was 26 when he popped the revival. So I was like, hey, that's me. And, uh, of course, then you turn 27, you got to find another revivalist that matches your age. I'm 42, i got to find one of those now. Anyway, so Evan Roberts in 1904, this young man, he was taking Bible school classes, and he was so gripped with the vision for revival, they diagnosed, they said, you got to go to the doctor. We've never seen anybody like you. They sent the guy to the doctor, and he was diagnosed with religious mania. Because he was so gripped to see God move in power, and he just went to his local church pastor. He said, can I just start some services in the evening and just get some people together that are hungry for God. And he said, sure. And they had 17 people come to that first meeting and power came on those young people. They were gripped with the presence of the Lord and the thing began to snowball. And it was a matter of just weeks until they were packing out the church with crowds standing on the outside. And beloved, in 18 months, in 18 months, 100% of the nation of Wales, they did a census, 100% said they were born-again Christians in 18 months. I mean, you're talking hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of conversions. And it was so deep, the revival was so deeply entrenched that 
many, many parts of Wales, it's a coal, coal mine uh, kind of economy, really based on miners and, 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 and coal. And, and so a lot of times the miners were kind of filthy, kind of roughneck kind of guys. Well, there was such revival through the coal miners that they actually had to retrain their horses because they trained their horses with cuss words. This is a true story. They trained them with cuss words, and a cuss word would mean stop, or a cuss word would mean go, or turn, or whatever. They actually had to completely get their horses saved, so to speak, and get them sanctified, because the thing had touched such deeply these men that they, that they just didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to give themselves to unrighteousness anymore. Well, I, when I, when, as a young man, when I started reading these stories, and, you know, Zeus Street, I'll tell you one more, Zeus, I just got so many of these, they're just so fun. Zeus Street Revival, you guys have heard about in 1906, it's kind of the birthplace of Pentecostalism and charismatic church, people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. It was like the first real wave of that since the days of the apostles. Well, days of the apostles. Well, you know, it wasn't just only about getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. The glory of God descended on that place till they would many, many, many times have the glory cloud in the meetings. The, the tangible glory of God, just like the scripture describes, the cloud with lightnings flashing through it. And there are eyewitness reports and different ones that were you know, in those revival meetings where they would say that everything was just you know, going on as normal. They were having a song service and all of a sudden the cloud would come and people that were missing limbs, the limb would grow out in front of everybody's eye. The person that was blind, the eye would pop open and they would be able to see, the deaf ear would hear. There are stories about when the glory would come, the children would begin to worship and dance and play in the glory and it would get so thick at times, the cloud was so thick, the children would be playing hide and go seek in the glory. Now that's, that's children's church right there. I mean, it does, that's about as good as it gets. It's so thick, they're going to duck around behind the glory of God and try to... Come on now. And I, just one other little story off that one. I, there's this one story about this Jewish man who showed up in the meetings and he was, he was coming to criticize and he, he was a, a reporter and, uh, and he was coming to you know, just write negatively about it and trying to sort of debunk the revival and... and this 12-year-old girl comes up to this man and, and, you know, if you ever had any fear of man, I suppose this would be the moment that it's about to get bad because this little girl just launches into tongues. Just, you know, here's the critic there, you know, trying to be the reporter. This little girl, this 12-year-old girl runs up to this man and just, and just starts speaking in tongues to him. And the man, his, his eyes get big and his face turns white. And he says, I, who's the leader? I've got to find the leader. And... He goes to the leadership and he says, who is that little girl? And they say, well, she's just one of the daughters of so-and-so, you know. And uh, he said, well, she just, woke, she just walked up to me and began to speak in perfect Yiddish. And began to call me by name. And began to say that I needed to serve Jesus. And she began to see, uh, speak the secrets of my heart and give glory to God in perfect Yiddish. Does she know, does she know Yiddish? And they said, no, that's tongues and interpretation, and you got the interpretation, brother. Man gets saved. But anyway, historic revival, so many stories like this. And man, as a young man, I read those things, and they just marked my heart. I said, if they they could have it, why not us? 
mean, what differentiates William Seymour or Duncan Campbell or Evan Roberts or any of these historic figures from anybody now? We're in the same covenant. We have the same Jesus. I mean, why not us? Why not now? And if there was ever a nation that needed revival, we're in it. And so it just became a passion of my heart. I remember reading like 25 books on revival in like six months. and Just all the stories and all the different figures and just getting so touched with what the possibilities were. And, and I can remember along the way people trying to talk me out of the belief for revival and just saying, you know, that's really idealistic, brother, you know. You're just, you're just kind of in idealism. You're just in, you're just in fantasy. And I would just say, well, what's the opposite of idealism? Reality? Well, the reality is we need God, which takes me right back to my idealism. We've got to have revival. And so uh, this has just been a flame that's burning my heart forever. And if there's anything that we are at Gate City Church, is a church believing God for revival. Amen. If there's anything we are at the house of prayer, that's what we are. A people believing God, praying unto a breakthrough of revival. So I realize... Again, launching into this, this discussion, a couple weeks on revival, I thought, you know, I'm going to say revival probably a thousand times, and then I realized, well, probably we don't have clarity, even when, when I'm saying revival, you might have a picture of revival, and, and you might have a picture, and we might have as many different pictures of revival as we have people in the room. So let me, let me do this. Let's just do a multiple choice test real quickly. So I, I, I have a, a multiple choice test, and the, and the question is, what is revival? When we say revival, what are we talking about? And I just, here's what I did. I grabbed some definitions, some uh, just definitions from the dictionary, and I want to throw them up here. So let's get letter A up there. Is revival an improvement in the condition of something, a revival in the fortunes of, of the party, for instance? Is that what we're talking about when we're talking about revival? Is that, you think that's what we're talking about? An improvement in the conditions of America. Is that what we're talking about? Some yes, some no. All right, B. When we're talking about revival, what are we talking about? An instance of something becoming popular or important again. Cross-country skiing is enjoying a revival. Are we talking about something becoming important again? Maybe. C. This, isn't a, this is not like the ultimate you know revival test. So just, just have fun with this for a sec. C, revival, a new production of an old play or similar work. They, they do the play, and then they have the play, the revival of it. No, boo, good, okay. D, now this one was interesting, from the dictionary. A reawakening of religious fervor, especially by means of a series of evangelistic meetings. I, I like that. You said no. I appreciate that. E, a restoration to vigor, to life or consciousness. Out of those five, I think E actually most closely represents what we're talking about when we're saying revival. The recovery of life, the recovery of breath, something that was once alive, now almost dead, receiving new life again, receiving vigor again. So when I say revival, I, that's what I'm, I'm particularly thinking about. I'm thinking primarily about the church. 
I'm thinking about the church receiving a burst of the life of God where the majority come to a fresh passion, vigor, fervor for Jesus. When the church, to me, revival is when the church gets on fire for God again. I mean, that's just the simplest thought. Now, because revival, that word is the most often kind of term that we use when we talk about like this recovery of life or a move of the spirit or an awakening. We all, I also use it for the broadest term. I also use it to describe something that's beyond the church walls. But, but if I'm going to be semantically correct, at least the way I think of it, there's another term that I think that identifies when it goes beyond the church walls and it's awakening. Awakening. And we've seen the first and second great awakening We've seen those in America where it wasn't simply something that touched the church, but it actually had implications outside the church walls, especially the Second Great Awakening. I mean, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people getting swept into the kingdom that weren't in church before, and church attendances across every denomination were swelling because so many new believers were coming to, uh, so many people were coming to become new believers in Jesus. And so when I think of uh, revival, I think of it having that two kind of step feature. It has the place where the church gets refreshed and alive again, and then it spills over and touches the society. It's out of the box, so to speak. And so we, we have revival in the church, awakening in the world. That's kind of the way that I, that I think of it. And we might use the word revival, and, and so if, if I'm saying revival, I'm thinking of the broadest extent of it. Now there's this other dynamic, when I say revival, when I say awakening, that I'm considering. And I'll, the only way I can describe it is uh, the phenomenon of God. What I mean is this, it's not simply, you know, good strategies, good preaching, a lot of prayer, and then a lot of converts... What it is, is the phenomenon of God is manifesting all over the place. Um, let's see if I can describe this for you. You've, you've probably been where you came to church, and you walked in the door, and you went, Woo, I, I really feel the presence of the Lord. I mean, there's probably been times when you just walked in, and you went, Wow, man, the Lord is here. When I say the phenomenon of God, what I mean is that presence, that manifest presence of God, not only being in the church service during the worship set, but that manifest presence, but turned way up, real intense, in all sorts of places around the community. Like, you walk into the grocery store and you go, whoa, the Lord is in here. And people are weeping. I know you have a hard time picturing this because we haven't seen this version yet. But I can see in my heart revival coming to such an extent that when you go to the grocery store, there's a clear recognition that the Spirit of God has infiltrated Kroger. Instead of having a checkout line, we're having a healing line. Come on. And power is hitting in the Kroger. Clean up aisle 10, 10 people out in the spirit. I mean, really, something happening 
beyond anything we, you know, take the best service with the most intense presence of God and then imagine that's happening at the school, it's happening at the bank, it's happening at the grocery, it's happening at the mall, it's happening at the college campus, it's happening in your business. Power is hitting in the community. So when I say revival, that's what I'm shooting for. I'm shooting for a 50-mile zone of that. That's what I'm thinking about. I'm not thinking about, you know, we're going to have revival services next week. We're dead this week, but next week it'll be revival, you know. Put the sign out front. I'm not thinking about that at all. What I'm thinking about is the phenomenon of God filling the culture and touching every segment of society. Touching every sector, all the nooks and crannies. Can you imagine, just believe, just see it with your heart, your divine imagination. Just imagine what it would be like you walk out to your mailbox to get the mail and God is in the street. And you look at your neighbor and they're like, whoa, the power of God's happening. I go, I know. We're into something. You know what I'm saying? I mean, everywhere you go in your business, at school, all sorts of places. We're not, you know, they go to the movie theater and the power hits and who cares about the movie because God is there. I'm talking about the real stuff. The hospital gets emptied because glory is touching the sick and they're being healed for real. The prisons are getting rocked with the power of God. Did you know in Wales, they literally had to shut down the jail facilities because people were getting saved and nobody was committing crimes. And they they call them the magistrates would just, they would just sit around all day reading their Bible because they didn't have any prisoners. I mean... Come on. Are all things possible to them that believe, or are they not? And I'll tell you, this is minimal. What I'm describing poorly right now is minimal compared to what the King of Glory can release. Come on, that's what I'm saying. Think about this now, just for a minute. Moses, with 2.2 million Israelites, Exodus 19, the Lord says, prepare yourself because in three days I'm coming down on the mountain. And when he comes, when the Lord comes down on the mountain, 2.2 million people, you know, the first time he gave the Ten Commandments, the Lord gave them audibly for all to hear. They all heard it with their own ears and they were shocked and 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 shaken, and ruined, and they couldn't deal with it, and they said, Moses, Moses, you go and talk to God, if we hear from God anymore, it will kill us, we can't take it, thunders, lightnings, power encounters, shaking the mountain, an earthquake of fire, hitting that place, till 2.2 million people were trembling in awe, Moses walks in, 2.2 million people back away, And Moses begins to get the directions from heaven on how he's supposed to lead. And then we're told later that when Moses comes back amongst the people, his face is shining like a spotlight. 
I'm, I've never been to the Middle East. I'm getting ready to go there in, in about a month. But my understanding is that the noon sun in Israel is bright like almost nothing else. It is so bright. There's an incredible glare. And, uh, and so Moses, in the middle of that, in the brightest kind of environment, his face is shining so brightly that they've actually asked him, can you kind of like tone that, put a veil on, tone that down? Because we can't even look at you. Light. But it's more than light. It's power. It was something they could see and something they could feel. Coming off his face. Well then Moses, you know, he he leads under that glory. But he knows that all he's doing is setting up a covenant that is going to cause people to recognize there's more. And we find out later that Moses is the one who brings the law, and the law is a tutor that brings us to Christ. But in Christ, the Spirit gives life. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And whereas under the law, the presence of God only dwelt behind the curtain in the Holy of Holies, When Jesus dies, the veil is rent, the curtain is rent, and the power and the presence of God is out of the curtain. And in the New Testament, we have this glory in earthen vessels. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 3 and 4. But Paul makes some audacious statements in 2 Corinthians 3. He says, that glory that Moses had so that his face shone and the people couldn't even look at it, that glory is no glory compared to what you and I have available. Come on now. Let's get a biblical view of Christianity for a minute. I I know we go through trials and challenges and struggles and tough times and we hang on, you know, and believe God and show up faithfully. And I praise God that, you know, we were praying for weary hearts today because, you know, we do get weary. We are flesh. We are weak. But, beloved, we have something so superior available to us in the new covenant, the glory of God, not just in our spirit, but available to manifest upon us. Here's my point. Paul would have never used the Moses face example if it wasn't also on the outside. He makes the point that it's on the inside. you got the glory on the, in the earthen vessel, but this glory that we have available is also available to touch our outside too. And if what happened with Moses... Fire, glory, power hitting that mountain so that 2.2 million people backed away because the, the sensation of God was, was too intense. And Paul says, that's no glory. What can happen for us? What are the possibilities? What are the possibilities for Atlanta? I don't know, four and a half million people. If God rocked 2.2 million people's world, In one encounter, what can happen in this city? Oh, I imagine the drug dealers all getting rocked and saved. The pimps all getting convicted and repenting. Oh, the the girls caught in human trafficking and prostitution set free and delivered. I'm I'm burdened over this, beloved. I, I can imagine all the mental institutions... Emptied and people in their sound mind. The pills, you throw them away because you have Jesus. 
I mean, I, I can imagine God doing a, a comprehensive work through every sphere of society, touching every individual. I mean, really, really creating a zone of kingdom influence to where demons can't function. See, I've seen this in, in little ways. You know, in, in meetings where the presence of the Lord comes powerfully, a lot of times what happens is uh, people will begin to, that, have, that have demonic control, they begin to manifest because the presence of God short circuits the demonic. I've seen it in, in, in meetings and in controlled areas. But what if you got that concentration of God in a 50 mile radius all over the city? Man, we would be in, into instant deliverance ministry. But you get that level of power, and guess what? It's not this 10 hour battle. Come on, let's go through all the. You know, details, it's one word, just like Jesus, out. I've been in those meetings where the power hits so strong that people start manifesting demons, and it's just one word, out, in Jesus' name. And they're free. Come on, if what Moses had was no glory, if what Moses had was no glory, gang, we've got to set our heights higher. We really have got to. We cannot live at low bar Christianity. Low bar Christianity is, I don't cuss anymore. I don't watch the sex scenes in the movie anymore. I actually do pay my taxes, and I try not to yell at my wife. I, I mean, I want you to do all that stuff, but that can't be our, our litmus test for what's on fire for God. Man, am I, am I in the right room? Are you guys? There are people here. Okay, good. That cannot be our litmus for the high bar. Oh, man. It's a dream in my heart that God would do something so comprehensive in this society. That the Lamb would receive the reward for His sufferings all over this city. A 50-mile zone of kingdom influence where the demonic realm cannot function. The principalities are completely shocked and rendered powerless. And the glory of the Lord comes. Like fire on the mountain. It's possible, beloved. It's possible. In fact, I would even venture to say it's probable. This is this is where we're this is where we're aiming. And I would just say this, just so you're clear about this point. I love revival because I love the feeling of God. I love the power of God. I love healings and signs and wonders. I love all that stuff. I love it. I love the testimonies. I love the guy set free. I love the salvation stories. But but do you know why I love revival? Because in revival, Jesus is this far away. He feels so, I mean, he's always that far away, but you feel him so close. You feel his manifestation so close kind of one of the one of the questions we got to deal with is do you want him that close because when the God who is fire who is love is manifest this close to your heart all the other lovers are enemies all the distractions they are the target. He has no problem opening fire 
on everything that's in the way between you and him. Oh, that's what we're made for. Even though we're made for this. We are not made for, for just being, you know, weighed down and dull with all these natural. We are made for glory. We're made for glory. So when we're talking about revival, that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. The big vision, not the three-day meeting, not even the thing that happens for nine months. I loved the awakening services that we had. We named them awakening because the church was getting awakened. But to me, it was just a, a nice touch of the Spirit of God to get our hearts alive again in intimacy. Acts 3. Let's look at this verse here. I just want to just show this to you. Acts 3, verse 19 through 21, it's the closest, or I should say the clearest explanation of what New Testament revival is about. It explains it more clearly. It doesn't actually use the word revival. You find the word revive in the Old Testament a number of times. Psalm 80, just different places. Revive us, O Lord. Uh, Hosea 6, you, you find it in different places. But this verse here in Acts 3, it's one of the clearest explanations of what revival is talking about. And it gives us a clear promise that there is massive awakening coming on the earth prior to the return of the Lord. Now this is what I'm in for. I'm not just in for a massive move of the Spirit of God that rocks the city of Atlanta, I'm in for that unto Jesus Christ returning to the planet. I'm in for the revival that sees the full number of Gentile harvests come in, because he promises in Romans eleven twenty five and 26 that there's a full number of Gentiles that will come into salvation, and then all Israel shall be saved. I'm into the revival that has massive awakening amongst Gentile nations, massive harvest in Israel, and Jesus Christ ruling and reigning on the planet. That's, that's where we're at. So when we're talking about revival, we're not talking about the week or the year or just the happy time and we all get to do the charismatic kick a whole bunch. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about something that is, you know, like what, charismatic who? I'm, I'm talking about something that's far has the implications are far uh, spreading, expansive implications. This verse gives us that clear vision. Acts 3, verse 19. Repent, therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Why? So that times of refreshing, that's the phrase, you got to underline that one. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And... That, look at this, he may send Jesus Christ who has preached to you before. Do you see that? He ties the times of refreshing into the return of Jesus. Do you guys see that? So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, 21, whom heaven must receive until the times of rest restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. 
that, those verses are so loaded. And I won't go through every little detail of them. We'll do that another time. But I will give you this. When he says repent, this is a word to the believing. It simply means change your mind. Get a paradigm that's in tune with this. Turn away from the way you've thought, that, you know, this, this low bar version. Because change your mind and let your heart be converted, be transformed. Because, man, the point is get in on God's agenda with this thing. Repent, turn to Jesus. Turn away from low bar Christianity. Turn away from every sin that so easily besets you. Repent, be converted. Let there be a transformation in your soul. That your sins can be blotted out. That forgiveness is released. That intimacy springs forth. Why? So that times, that word times, you probably know this really well. It's a Greek word, kairos. There's two types of time in the Bible. There's chronos, which is the, the clock, the ticking, talking, you know, the, the, the chronos, the chronology, the thing that happens. And then there's the, the, the thing that happens in order. And then there's the kairos. The kairos is the appointed time, the preset time, the determined time. He goes, get your heart ready. This is what he's saying. Get your heart ready, turn to the Lord, get your, your heart alive, be transformed, going after God. He's calling people to the pursuit of the Lord. Why? Because if you're ready, God will drop those times on us. He's got times he has already set in his calendar. There are seasons. Look at it, it's plural. Times. There are seasons of awakening and visitation and revival that God has already set up. There are times that are in God's calendar that He is, he is non-negotiable about. He's going to release them. And here's the thing. Somebody's going to get in on it. Might as well be little old us. Why not? I don't, I don't know how you look at it. I, I look at... When I look at Moses, John, Daniel, Ezekiel... I see all these guys that had these encounters with the Lord. I don't go, oh, well, that was only for them. I go, huh? If they got it, come on. God is how much of a respecter of persons? No. Respecter of persons. And then I look through history. I go, Charles Finney, you know, Jonathan Edwards, you know, John Wesley, all these, George Whitfield, Evan Roberts, Duncan Campbell, William Seymour, Frank Barlow, go down the list, all these guys, if they got it, God is no respecter of persons. Why not us right here, right now? That's just the way I think. Look, and I'm not saying I've never had a moment where I doubt it. Man, contending for 20 years on this point, man, you'll get weary at, at times. But I'll just tell you this. I'm as invigorated right now about these truths as I've ever been. I believe God is going to visit again. I believe he's going to release a, a great awakening across our nation. And I believe that Atlanta is by no means going to be passed over. I believe he set us here. 
And there's so many others around this city that are into this. They, they want to see God move in power. And man, he's put a company together that will contend and believe for these things. So he goes, there's Kairos, appointed times, specific seasons in God's calendar. He set aside these seasons and he's going to release revival. What's he going to release? Times of refreshing. That word refreshing, it's a Greek word, anapsuxis should come up. There it is. Anapsuxis. I love that word. Anapsuxis, refreshing. It just means revival. Recovery of life. Recovery of breath. It's, it's not just momentarily getting your wind back, but it's that which was dead gets to breathe again. I want to breathe again, church. I want to breathe His Spirit again. I want to breathe the presence of God again. Come on. Times of refreshing. Times of anexusis. It's what Paul was talking about in Romans 11. That, that whole idea of the full number of Gentiles coming in and all Israel being saved. That appointed time that God has set in his calendar. There's a full number of Gentiles that will come into a massive harvest at the end of the age. And all Israel shall be saved. This is what we're into. We need to set our hearts on it. Set our minds on it. This is, this is what we're talking about. When we say revival, this is where we're going. Now, here's what I want to give you some. Uh, give you a point on. Here's the challenge of revival. The challenge of revival is that every historic revival has come to an end. Everybody say, ouch. It always hurts when it ends. I've had the wonderful, I mean, just, I don't even, I, it, it make me cry. But the honor to be a part of two small little times of refreshing, one for about eight months, one for about 10 months. When you read the histories of revival, you'll find out most guys only ever get one because afterwards it's so hard to figure out how to get your bearings again because it's so disruptive. Just takes, it just takes every portion of your life and just causes you to redefine. So revival, it's so, it's so disruptive and then it only lasts for a season. And, and here's what most people think. They go, we're looking for the big one. The one that's going to last all the way till Jesus returns. The 30-year revival. And, and, I, and I like that. I, I don't mind that, that it's the big one. I, I'm the, looking for the big one. I'm the one, that, the guy that's always been looking for the big R revival. But I, I realized something about the big R revival is that it's not necessarily one move of the Spirit that you just get into and just happens for 30, 40 years and then Jesus returns. It's times of refreshing unto the Lord sending the, uh, the Father sending the, uh, the Lord Jesus. What I mean is there are these seasons of visitation that all build on one another that happen maybe over a 25 to 50 year period of time that they peak and they go up and up and up and then they crescendo perhaps with a three or five year really focused intense time. But the great revival, the great big one that everybody's looking for, the one that transforms all the societies, it is a multi-hit attack. This thing is going to hit in multiple seasons. That's what he says in Acts 3. Times. Appointed times. There are these seasons where he's going to move in power. It will crest. 
and then it will, might plateau, and then it'll crest again, and it might feel like it goes back, and then it'll crest again. They all build on one another. Here's me. When I, the first time I got into a season of revival, I was a youth pastor. I've been praying for revival. I trained our young people to pray for revival. We had prayer meetings where everybody would just shout until everybody fell out. That's how you do it. Scream until something breaks or God moves or something. And man, you know, the Lord didn't mind. He, he met us at our, he met us at, at, at our least common denominator of faith. Just the fact that we were hungry, we wanted God. And, and something happened. We had this visitation. A real one. I'm, I mean, I'm talking about when people would, they would drive up and get out of their car to walk into the meeting and the power of God would hit them in the parking lot and they would fall out on the concrete. And there were days we had people, we had to pick them up off the concrete in the parking lot and bring them into the meeting. Welcome to church. <laughs> and the same thing, I, I can remember meetings where they would get up to leave and they'd fall out on the way out. I remember this one night, this young girl, she got stuck to the ground. It was 20 degrees. It was especially cold, middle of winter. Stuck to the ground on frozen asphalt. And these two good, huge guys are trying to pick her up off the ground. They couldn't get her up. She probably only weighed about 100 pounds. But did you know that glory, the Hebrew word for glory is kabod. It means the weightiness of God. She was saturated with the weight of God. They could not get this little bitty girl up off the ground. These two huge guys. She was stuck to the ground. I don't know what your paradigm of church is right now, but I hope I, I don't really care. I just, God's going to break all of our paradigms. He's got this thing in his mind that's way different than our, you know, three fast, three slow and our little structure. We're going to have to lose our clocks eventually, I promise you. Just going to have to put the old wristwatch away. They told us about this church in Korea right now. They, when they go to church, they cover all the clocks. They don't know what time it is. God moves. In this. Anyway, hallelujah. So here's the challenge. Everybody wants this big one, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen in moments. It's, it's scriptural, times of refreshing, times of anexusis. Uh, Kairos appointed moments of recovery of breath. There's these seasons of refreshing. God's stringing them together. It might be a 50-year zone where these things are happening. And, 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 you know, they might happen for two or three years, and then they might recede for two or three or five or ten years, and then they might happen again for another three, four years, and then it might recede for another two, three, four, five years. But here's what I think. I think what ends up happening is you end up with a bigger revival and a less of a recession as it continues to go towards the Lord's return, until we finally do get into a zone of visitation right up until the Lord's return. Does that make sense? Here's what happens though when people have a, an awakening and they, they experience a little season of revival. It's usually one of three things happens. Number one, they act like it has not lifted, and they continue to try to act like they are in the middle of the phenomenon of God, and uh, the, the truth of the matter is uh, the, actual, the actual phenomenon has lifted. They continue to try to do the old thing again. Just brace yourself. I call that the guy at the pool, the old man at the pool in the Speedo. Praise God. <laughs> he doesn't know that the anointing has lifted. We'll, we'll, we'll have a little inner healing for that imagery at the end of the service. 
You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be. <laughs> you don't want to be the old guy at the pool in the speedo. If you're in here, brother, we bless you, but get some long pants on. Praise God. Long shorts. They don't know the thing has moved. And so they continue to act like it hadn't. And that ends up being this just show. It just ends up being a show and it lacks the presence, it lacks the phenomenon of God. I'm not talking about just good meanings. I'm talking about the phenomenon of God. Well, sometimes what happens is that first thing is they try to keep it going and it shouldn't continue to go. Just allow the Lord to let it lift and just move on into into what the Lord has for you next, until the next season of visitation. The second thing that people do is, sometimes because they didn't realize the thing was going to lift, they decide that whatever just happened wasn't real. Because it went from this thing where God was carrying the whole thing until it feels like kind of business as usual again. And they go, well, what was that? Were we all just kind of deluded? Did we just kind of all make that up? And, and you know, we would come into meetings and man, you feel it so strongly. Were we just in a kind of a mass hypnosis or something? What was that? It wasn't, and then they would just say it wasn't real. One of the most p- painful things to me about the Welsh revival, for instance, is Evan Roberts, he didn't pace himself at all and he had nervous breakdowns. He had three nervous breakdowns in a 24 month period of time. And this woman, Jesse Penn Lewis, came alongside him and said, we wanna help you, me and my husband, we have a retreat place we can come and, and help you and get you back to life. And when, he, when she took him away and, and, she, and she and her husband had Evan Roberts to the side, she began to talk to him about how what was happening in his meetings wasn't God. And do you know that he ended up signing a statement saying that m- much of what was happening in the revival wasn't the Holy Spirit? Even the guy that was leading it because when, you know, when you're on the mountain, it's so clear to hear the voice of God. But when you're in the valley, man, it's so hard to hear and see. Beloved, never doubt in the valley what you heard on the mountaintop. Never doubt in the valley. Don't make decisions in the valley. Don't make massive changes in the valley. Look, just get through the valley. Get back to the mountaintop where you can hear. Come on. So a lot of times they decide it wasn't real. Now, don't do that either. That's not what you want to do. And then the third thing they do, and this is what happened to me after that first little visitation we had in my youth group, they go into depression. This is where I was at. For the next 10 months, I I was sleeping like 10 hours a day. I was like, man, and here's why. I couldn't see anything more than just that visitation. I couldn't see that it was times of visitations, that there were promises for more. I wanted the big one so bad that when the little one came and it was just a swirl to get us to the next one, I couldn't discern that this was part of a 50-year journey, not part of the three-year explosion. And so many people, man, after that season of revival, they just, they just bought them out. And I'm just grateful to the Lord that he brought, me, he brought me up out of that through intimacy. And here's what I've realized. Most of our swirls of revival are chiefly about bringing people into intimacy with God because he actually has this agenda called the global end time prayer movement and he wants to touch people's heart, get them into intimacy, get them praying for the next move of the spirit and he's gonna use it all together for this watershed of prayer to come to break open the heavens on a global scale unto mass revival and the return of the Lord Jesus. Oh man, y'all should have said that. You just missed that one. Amen. That's what I think he's really doing. 
swirling us into intimacy through times of visitation so that we will pray in the valleys unto getting a new awakening and visitation till more people get touched by the presence of God and then when the next valley comes, more people are praying. Come on. And the entire time he's building a global concert of prayer. That global embroidery of prayer begins to cover the earth until he's going to release massive breakthrough across the nations and we'll find ourselves in that great visitation. You go, you know, how do you know there's a great visitation? I'll give you a couple verses and we're wrapping up. The scripture is how I know. I mean, I know it in my heart, but if I didn't have the verses on it, I couldn't be sure. But watch this. Look at Revelation chapter 7. This verse gives a throne throne room scene. And it describes those that have come out of the great tribulation, even at the very end of the age. And we know that modern missiologists are telling us there's about 7,000 unreached, unengaged people groups, even right now, 7,000. But look what this says. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could number... Of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. These are the redeemed. These redeemed come from all peoples, tribes, nations, and tongues. We're going to find out, if you study that passage, you find out they're martyrs. They actually give their life for Jesus. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. There's going to be a martyr spirit, in other words, people that would willingly lay their life down for Jesus in every tribe, tongue, people, and nation before the Lord Jesus returns. Beloved, call that what you want. I'll call it global revival. To get it that pervasive across all the nations of the earth means there has to be a massive move of the Spirit. That's not the only verse. Revelation 5, verse 9. This is a song sung before the throne. These are martyrs again singing this. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. These are prophetic promises. Every tribe, tongue, people and nation, beloved. This is where it's going. There will be a revival spirit in every tribe, tongue, people and nation. There's a massive harvest coming to the earth. A massive revival. Well, we also have, you know, you got Acts chapter 2 that's quoting Joel chapter 2. It shall come to pass before the great and terrible day of the Lord, the Lord will pour His Spirit out on all flesh. And there will be a massive move of the Spirit before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Here's my point. If we're going to be a people that are in tune with what God is going to do in the earth, we need to set the trajectory of our hearts that direction now. So that we can, we can connect with and agree with and hopefully participate with what the Lord's doing in the earth in that hour. Beloved, we'll have swirls of awakening, swirls of visitation, swirls of revival. I love it. I want a bunch of them. But ultimately, I want transformation. I want the whole city engulfed in the presence of God. A demon-free zone, a 50-mile radius. I just imagine it. You know the guys in his car coming up there around Peachtree City? He's all mad, yelling at his wife. And honey, I just told you, 
I love you. So right as he crosses that line, you know, just hit, delivered, alive in God. I don't know. Who knows? They're flying into the airport. You know what I'm saying? Just as they begin, you know, cleared for, <laughs> cleared for landing. Man, I'm feeling good all of a sudden. This place feels awesome. Everybody's happy on the plane. I don't know what it can look like, but I want to dream. He can do exceedingly, abundantly, above. All that we ask or think. Let's not let our thinking and all of our asking be so low. You know, he does a little bit above it and we go, oh, we got revival. No, let's set, like, set the high, like set it way up there. Like sort of dare God. Go, okay, God, I'm, I'm daring you for a 50-mile demon-free zone. He goes, well, let's see. I live in infinity. I inhabit eternity and it inhabits me. And that's a demon-free zone. I think I can do 50 miles on the planet. How much can you believe for? Beloved, this is who we're going to be as a church. A people, arm in arm, loving God, loving each other, praying and believing God for great breakthrough in this city. I believe God has marked Atlanta for a, for a visitation of colossal proportions I just I just want to get in on it a little bit like I don't even care about it even I don't I don't have to speak at any of the meetings I'll be the usher I just want to see the fire hit do you know what I'm saying I'll work the parking lot I just want to see power hit I don't care do you know what I mean I just want to be around when God comes down you know and that's why that's so why years ago, I just, I just decided, man, unless I really have to, I don't ever want to miss any church meetings. Because you just never know. <laughs> you just never know. You get around people that are talking like this, and they're believing like this, and they're praying like this, and you just don't want to be the guy. What'd you do Sunday? Well, I was kind of sorting my socks. Yeah, angels were flying through the room. It's like, go! Oh! I was sorting my socks and you guys saw like angels and fire appeared and yeah, there was a traffic jam on Collins Hill and a thousand people got saved and I saw this guy put an arm on. You know, I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, you just never know. I know that's a little cartoonish. But beloved, who knows what it's going to look like? I mean, how do you think, how do you think it was for the apostles Disciples in the upper room, the 120, they're praying. They've never heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind. They've heard wind, but they've never heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind. They're up there praying. I mean, eight days in, it was probably pretty dry. Have you thought about that? Eight days in, it's like, dude, are we going to pray again today? Yeah, he told us to wait here. Okay, I mean, what are they even praying? Like, somebody write down the Lord's Prayer. I remember he, told us to, he taught us to pray like that. Let's try that one again. What are they even praying? They don't, they're not praying in tongues yet. What are you praying all day? You don't pray in tongues yet. And I don't think they had the worship team going just yet. What are they even praying? I'm, I mean, I'm thinking they're praying some old Hebrew prayers and some Old Testament stuff. And 
Our Father who art in heaven like 80,000 times. Day nine comes. You know day nine. I mean day nine. Nine days. They're probably going like, guys, this is intensely. Like, is this what we're doing now? This is the church? He said, wait here. He said, we're supposed to wait. So keep praying. Man, we're praying like dull, dry prayers. Like, I wish he was back. Something was going on. He said it would be better. This doesn't feel better. This feels bad. Day 10. Try it again. All right. Hit it, Peter. Our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Who knows what was happening? And it says, and suddenly. The suddenly. Sound. A mighty rushing wind. Filled the room where they were sitting. And fire. Fire. Pieces of fire. We always get it mixed up because they spoke in tongues and it was tongues of fire. When I was a young believer, I used to go, there's a tongue of fire on the guy's head? Like, what is that? Like, that's gross. What is that? No, a tongue, you know, like a, a lick of fire, a piece of fire, a fiery piece. But fire on their head. Have you ever been in that meeting where fire showed up and landed on everybody's head? That's the New Testament. That's available to us now. They had it. Why not us? If they had it, why not us? Fire is on everyone's head. That must have felt awesome. And the wind, it's not blowing. It sounds like wind. They hear it in the city streets. And they all gather together. And Peter, who just a matter, I mean, just a month and a half earlier, was bowing down before a servant girl and cussing and acting like she didn't know Jesus, stands up with boldness and proclaims the Lord Jesus. Suddenly. I'm telling you what, we get a suddenly of God, it can change everything. Everything can change. That's what we're believing for, guys. The suddenly. Until we get the suddenly, we do the subtleties. Pray and fast and approach him with hungry hearts and get away all the distractions. And we believe. We believe. We grab arms. We love one another. We do this thing together. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We're going to get a suddenly. He's going to transform our city. And until then, we do the subtleties. We go for God. Hearts abandoned. Amen. Come on, let's stand. Oh, I love talking about revival. But I'm going to love living in revival more. I just think about Job. He said, Job, he goes, I heard about you from the, with the, earring of the hearing of the ears. But now my eyes see. All for the day that our eyes see. All for the day that our eyes see God. Come Holy Spirit. Let's just pray. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray, lift our vision. Lift our vision high. Lord, you've marked me with this. I will not stop or step back. It doesn't matter. (laughs) I'm yours on this, Jesus. I'm yours. I will continue to the day I die, believing what you've promised. 
I'm yours, Jesus. I'll be your voice. I'll be your mouthpiece on this point. Lord, we as a church, Gate City Church, we want to be a place that contends and believes together for a move of the Spirit of God so far beyond our dreams. A demon-free zone all over the city of Atlanta. Got an army of proclaimers declaring the word of the Lord in the marketplace, the school, God, entertainment sectors, the churches, everywhere, every sphere. The, the word of the Lord goes forth with power. No, we want to be a people that lives so close to Jesus. We want to go for this thing, Jesus. Hey, if this, if this resonates with your heart, I just want to invite you forward. I want to pray with you. I want to ask the Lord to just mark our hearts with a vision for revival as a community. That's you. I just want to invite you forward. Come, Holy Spirit. We want to get a high view, God. We want to get a high vision. That's okay. Let it come. Let it come. It's okay. Let it come. Come, Holy Spirit. God, where we've grown dull even in these thoughts, I pray, open the eyes of our heart again. I want to see you again. I want to believe again. I want to dream again. Oh, right there. Right there. More, Lord. More, Lord. Release grace, supplication. Put fire on our hearts. God, I believe you want to break the jail wide open. I believe you want to break it open in the human trafficking areas. You want to break it open, God, in the inner city and in the suburbs. I believe you want to hit Sugarloaf and Alpharetta just like you want to hit inner city of Atlanta. Break it open, Abba. We believe with you, Jesus. You have an inheritance in this city. We believe with you, Jesus. Oh, right now. Mark our hearts. Mark our hearts. Mark our hearts. Mark our hearts. Let's just continue to draw on the Lord for a minute. Let it come. Let it come. Fire on the hearts. <laughs> Fire on our hearts, God. Make it real to us, Jesus. Make it real to us, Jesus. More, Lord. More, Lord. Pour out your spirit. The sons and the daughters, let them prophesy. The young men see visions. The old men dream dreams. Let's push that a little bit. Pour out your spirit. (laughs) More, Lord, release your presence on us. Spirit of revival in our hearts. A dream from heaven. 
of what's possible. We want to see with the eyes of our heart, God. Baptize us in heavenly idealism. We want to press the envelope of what's possible. Whoa! Release your presence. (laughs) More, Lord. More, Lord. Vision for revival. Give us a vision for revival. To see it filling our homes. Every member burning for Jesus. The children, the adults, every sector of society burning love for the God-man. Yeah, let's sing that. Fire fall down. Open our hearts. Open our eyes. Let's sing this. Fire fall down. Fire fall down. (laughs) Fall on us. Fall on us. <laughs> More, Lord. Increase. Increase our vision for what's possible. Yea, even what's probable. What you're going to do, we believe you, Jesus. Have your inheritance in this city. This is our portion, beloved. We get to get in on this. (laughs) Jesus. Even more, Lord. God, I pray even from this altar, even from today, as we're declaring these things, that you would kindle even afresh in our hearts a vision for the move of the Spirit, a hunger to believe beyond what we've ever seen. Transformation. Lord, I can see every hospital emptied because Jesus is moving in power. I can see every school having to cancel classes because power is hitting the schoolrooms. Jesus, I can see bankers coming under the glory of God. Grocers. The mall, Jesus. I can see the managers having altar calls in their their department stores. Clean up aisle 10. Come on. Walmart. (laughs) Jesus. Every church, every denomination, every congregation filled with fire, God. Let power, let power hit every denomination. 
Let your glory hit every denomination. Catholic, Episcopalian, Lutheran, God, Methodist, Presbyterian. Let it hit them all. Church of God. Church of God in Christ. Assembly of God. Pentecostal. Charismatic. Non-denominational. Wesleyan. Let it hit them all. 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 Let it come. Let it come. (laughs) Believe again. Believe again. You might find yourself cynical over these thoughts. Ask the Lord to break that cynicism off your heart right now. If you're having a hard time, you go, I've heard all this before. Don't fall into that. Even regarding Jesus coming, the scripture declares, there will be people who will say, they've heard it so much, they'll, their, their testimony will be, where is the promise of his coming? Beloved, don't step into that trap. The enemy would try to talk you out of it because of your familiarity with these thoughts. I tell you, God wants you so familiar and so alive and so aware and so revelatory and seeing and believing so many things that when you step into it, it's like the dream you've lived in for the last 30 years. God wants you aware. Don't let cynicism steal your faith. Jesus, we break off cynicism. We break it off. We step into belief again, Jesus. Times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. And then you will send Jesus, whom heaven must receive, until the times of restoration of all things. This is it. This is the agenda. It shall come to pass in the last days. You'll pour out your spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions on your men servants and on your maid servants. You will pour out your spirit and they shall prophesy blood, fire, vapor of smoke, signs in the heavens, wonders in the earth. And it shall come to pass. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Shall be saved. <laughs> yeah. Fire fall down. Jesus, Jesus, fire fall down on us. (laughs) Oh, it's going to happen, beloved. This is our portion, beloved. This is so much fun. From glory to glory. Like pearls on a necklace, he strings together the times of refreshing. Oh, this is our portion. This is who we get to be. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the many congregations across this city that even right now that you are speaking to them just like you are to us. God, we are a part of such a much bigger picture. Thank you, God, for what you intend to do. I don't care if it's next week, next year, or in the next decade. 
We just want to be in Jesus. Believing. Knowing. That you have an inheritance in this city. We want to see the Lamb receive the reward for His sufferings. (laughs) God, I pray, touch all of us the spirit of revival. A burning on the inside that won't let us let loose until we see you come. Plumb line us with the high vision, high bar, exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Good. In Jesus' name.